Hi, welcome to the Berry Nation podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April. There is no Jason and Natalie here today. Gotcha. <laughs> but if you are watching this podcast, you are seeing the faces of three amazing women from our Berry Nation membership community, Fiona, Laura, and Casey. Hello, friends. Welcome. Hello. We are so excited to have you here today. You three are very active in and out of the community. You are just like the face of the bariatric community in general, but we are all in the same stage together and that is life and maintenance. We are here today to talk about really what the stage means to us, what we wish we knew about it now, and some things that we wish we did before we got into maintenance, right? It's one thing to Monday morning quarterback ourselves, but it's another thing to offer kind of some concrete things that we implore people who are not in maintenance, maybe start doing or thinking about now. So before we get into the meat of the conversation, I'd love to turn the floor over to you ladies to introduce yourself. Fiona, let's start with you. Hi, I'm Fiona. You would know me as Never Say Never Fiona on Instagram, which is where you can usually find me. Sometimes you'll see me as Fiona Prendergast on Facebook in select groups. Boom. Uh, where are you in your journey? I am four years post-op from BSG. I maintained for almost two years after completing 110 pounds or 110, 110% excess weight loss. Um, I lost a total of 280 pounds from my high weight. And then after maintenance had a baby. And then as most people would know, if they're following me recently, I've struggled with um, regain largely due to postpartum medication and, and other just issues and adjustments. And now I find myself 30 pounds down from my regain with about 40 to go. That's amazing. And your story, which we will get in today, I think is so powerful. Everybody's story is powerful, but we're all going to demonstrate the curveballs that life throws our way in maintenance and how we have like switched up our swing, so to speak, to make sure that we're knocking things out of the park. So it's going to be amazing. Awesome. Thank you, Fiona. Miss Laura. Hello, my name is Laura Preston and I live in Niles, Michigan. I had a gastric bypass on March 5th of 2005. So if we do the math, that makes me an 18-year post-op. Um, life is very different. I am definitely life and maintenance at this point in the game, but I'm excited to be here and share and contribute more to variation. Oh, Laura, we're so happy that you are here. And what I'm really excited to talk to you about is we we have a stage after life and maintenance and we call it automation. And I know just in private conversations that you and I have had, right? This life and maintenance is really about this like cyclical thing that we do between things that are automated and then they become not automated. And then we go back into learning about them from the maintenance phase. So I'm really excited to pick your brain about, about that and how you have just learned to accept that, that, that this is cyclical, right? Like I'm going to go in and out of these things. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Miss Casey. Hi, I'm Casey. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I had VSG March 26th of 2021. So I'm coming up on a two-year surge anniversary. Are you having bariatric or revision surgery related to other weight loss procedures and feeling nervous about the post-surgical pain management? Check out yourxfactor.com to learn more about steps to take to prepare yourself both physically and mentally for your surgery. 
yeah, it's an interesting journey and I'm excited to be here to talk about it. <laughs> I'm the baby of the group at this point. <laughs> you are actually, you, you are, you are the baby. Yeah. Right. But I mean, as we all know, every day in maintenance is different. Uh, I had an eye-opening conversation with another friend and member of Veridation L. And what I really took away from, from what she had to say, and which is so true, I went into maintenance thinking it was all about rigidity, doing things exactly right. But it's not. Maintenance is actually about fluidity. It's about learning how to experiment and just to acknowledge that you've never lived this way before, right? It's running your own experiments. It's not being afraid of that. And I had a completely different understanding of of maintenance, you know, going into it as I do now living it. So that's really what this conversation is all about. So if you ladies are ready, I'd say let's dive in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. First question, which is actually a little bit of, of a curveball, and I'm just going to go, I, I go one by one. <laughs> I know, because you can tell I love doing this. I love doing this. Well, it's not, it's not really a curveball. What did you think maintenance would be like? Right? I thought it was about rigidity. I've learned it's not. It's about changes and fluidity, pause and pivoting, all of those like mantras that, that we say. So what did you think it was going to be, Fiona? Oh, I- freedom. I thought the complete opposite. I thought I was going to hit goal weight and I was going to get to live like everybody else and get to just not have to diet and not have to think about it. And I actually got away with it for a long time. Oh, that is fascinating. I remember thinking that too, right? Like, oh, it's finally going to be, it was a check marks. Like I've maintenance done. I've done the bariatric thing. I'm fixed. I'm fixed. Now I get the freedom to be like all my girlfriends and all my friends and all the supermodels. And I get to be thin and live a normal life and eat out and do all the things. And to me, maintenance was freedom. I was no longer fat. I'd done it. Boom. And <laughs> it, it is freedom, but it is not. I had a long way to go to realize that I had fixed a lot of the weight issues. I had faced a lot of the underlying issues, but I hadn't faced enough. I will never get to just live like the supermodels and eat pizza and then go back to eating salad and, and be normal and have perfect balance naturally. That will never be me. And I had to accept that. And that's okay now, but it was really, really hard to face at the time. Wow. Holy crap. I can, re- I can remember saying and thinking those exact same things too. Yeah. I, I was absolutely livid when I found out that no, I wasn't going to be like all of my friends who never had a weight problem. And it was never going to be that way. Even when my weight problem was gone on the surface. Yeah. Yep. I think I remember Casey and I are personal friends. Now we met because of bariatric surgery. And I think I remember when I was going through the rage stage of life and maintenance, I think I remember calling Casey and I was like, Hey, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. Bye. Like we could still kayak, but I'm done with the bariatric thing. And I remember she was just like, hmm, okay. Like, are you sure about that? <laughs> are you sure about that? Yes. I've since changed my thinking on that, but right. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, surgeon. I would like that percent of stomach back because I've decided I've lost the weight and I'm over it. Thanks. Hi friends, it's April. We are so excited to officially announce that ProCare Health 
is the official vitamin of Berry Nation. We were introduced to ProCare Health at the first Bariatric Society retreat in San Diego, and we have all fallen in love with our product and with the people behind the company. Jason, Natalie, and I have all made the switch to ProCare Health daily bariatric multivitamins, and we are seeing huge results. We invite you to check out ProCare Health by visiting them online at www.procarenow.com and use the code BERRYNATION for 10% off your order. And you guys, this even applies to vitamin subscribers services. So if you want your vitamins delivered every month or every 90 days, that 10% off is going to apply to that subscription. See what I mean about patient forward, patient centered? ProCare is amazing and we are so excited to be partnered with them. Welcome to the Berry Nation family, ProCare Health. Turns out they don't do that. They don't do that unless it's medically necessary, but yeah, don't do that. Goodness gracious. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Fiona. Laura, what about you? What did you think life and maintenance would be like? I just laugh listening to all the comments because I'm the gas. Nobody else had gastric bypass, right? You guys are all VSG. Okay. So I'm the gastric bypass girl. And back in my day, there was no VSG. It wasn't even an option. It wasn't even a surgery. It didn't even exist. Um, everybody was getting a lap band. Like lap band was the easy thing. The scary thing, the big surgery was gastric bypass. Super scary. Oh my gosh. They're going to dissect your stomach. They're going to reroute like super scary, but I always struggled with sugar. So I had an amazing surgeon. I had my um, surgery in New York and I actually met with three surgeons in Manhattan, like Al Roker surgeon, a couple of the really big ones. And I ended up having my surgery in a little hospital in White Plains, New York, because I love the surgeon. Like he heard me, he saw me, he told me, you're the healthiest fat girl I've ever met. Like you don't have sleep apnea, you don't have this, you don't have that. But I was brutally honest because I was terrified and sugar was my problem. Like I'm just a sugar girl. And he said with gastric bypass, I highly recommend this over a lap band because of your addiction with sugar. He said, because you'll dump, like it's going to be, and I knew two other people that had had the surgery. And so I, I lap band, I never considered like, it just wasn't, it wasn't me because for an object, like it weirded me out, even though gastric bypass seems so extreme. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, I spent two years on obesity help lurking because obesity help was the only thing that existed back then. The, it was a huge platform. There was none of the other things that you guys know as norm, but obesity help was the mothership. And I lived in chat rooms. I had binders because I'm a dork. I'm totally a research crazy. And I would print out chat room stuff. And I'd be like, oh my God, this person, oh my God, this happened. And oh my God, her hair fell out. And oh my God, and vitamins. And I was crazy. I had binders that I, I, printed out like broke printer, like binders on my wall of tons of research because I was terrified. And so I thought I was going to have the surgery and I was going to be the perfect patient. And I was going to do all the things like I begged to get in the gym. I begged because I had done so much. I spent two years researching it. And so I thought it was going to be perfect, perfect bariatric girl. Right. And so, and for a long time, just like Fiona said, it it was, I was terrified of sugar. I hate throwing up. I was terrified. I ate perfect. I did all the things. I went to the gym. I did this. I did this. My highest weight was 365 pounds and I got, and I'm six, one, I'm really tall and I'm, I'm big. 
Um, and I got down to like 189 pounds and I looked horrible. Like I will tell you right now, like when you see pictures, I was gaunt. I call it the gastric bypass look. Like I can look at people when I'm out and about and think you had weight loss surgery, you had weight loss, especially gastric bypass is I'm speaking to because you get this gaunt, just super thin look. It's not a healthy look because it's malnutrition. And I was fine for three years, like thought I had it down, figured it out. I was the golden child, the support group, because there was no, like Facebook was a beginning world. So it was going to a hospital, parking in the parking lot, going to a support group. And I was like golden child, like, oh, I have this figured out. Let me tell you how it is. Like, you know, and I had researched and done vitamin, like I thought I was it. And then I tasted sugar again. And I started playing all the little games. I'm only going to have one. I'm only going to do this. I'm only, and I didn't dump like people dumped. And I'm like, why can I eat sugar? Like, I'm not, this isn't supposed to be okay. Like this is supposed to make me violently ill. And to this day, like ice cream and I do not have a relationship that is like death's door for me because it dumps in my bloodstream and it makes me sick. But other than that line, like I can eat it. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be able to eat more and I'm not supposed to be able to eat normal things. And I'm not supposed to, because for so long, it felt like it sat right here and everything was so uncomfortable and I was never hungry. It was like alarms. Well, I didn't have watches back then, but um, I feel so old right now. Back then it was like, oh my God, I have to, you know, two hour increments. And it was like, you know, you had all these things. And as the years progress, like, yeah, I can eat a half sandwich. Why can I eat bread now? Like, why can I do this now? Like, why can I... And I still maintained my weight. Like I took off 165 pounds. Like that's about like, cause I like my body, my set point loves 200. It's just, I have to like be crazy girl to get back into the 100s, you know, wonderland, you know, it's, it's very hard for me to maintain. So for me, like I thought it was going to be easy. And I hate even saying that word. I never thought I took the easy way out. I knew it wasn't going to be easy but I thought I wouldn't have to choose that my surgery would make me, wouldn't let me eat too much. And it wouldn't let me eat sugar, which is what I struggled with my whole life. Mm-hmm. And friends, that is so far from any kind of truth. <laughs> well, it's right into us. But it's so interesting to hear you talk about freedom in, in that way, right? Because in a lot of ways, I think we do go into surgery anticipating freedom from these things that have been keeping us prisoner for so long. And then all of a sudden after surgery realized, oh my God, it wasn't the thing that was keeping me imprisoned. I was kind of doing it to myself. And like, like you said, when you incorporated sugar again, you're like, what the hell? I thought this was supposed to be like, I was supposed to be free of this forever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. That would be brutal. For that me- would be brutal the specific food choice, I went in knowing I had an eating disorder. Um, I was already working with someone and we chose this as a tool to also work with that, to co-work with that and get to my goals. Mine was for the first couple of years, the voice was gone. When mm-hmm. I got, I wasn't hungry. When I was mad, I wasn't hungry. When I was just out, I wasn't hungry. The voice was gone. And it took until my pregnancy that all of a sudden that voice came back and especially postpartum, it came back with not just hungry because I biologically was hungry for the first time in a couple of years, that voice came back that told me I was hungry because I felt something. And it, that was disappointing to find out was going to come back. I got cocky and kind of thought it died. 
I'm right there with you too. That that was what started my my maintenance rage was the voice came back and I was like, um, I was told, I was promised that this, yeah. So huge absolutely. part of because she's mean and I started to believe her and it started to spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is I think uh, what a lot of us experience, right? Yeah. Casey, my friend, what about you? What did you think maintenance would be like? I don't think I ever really knew what it would be like. And I still have moments when I go to support group for life and maintenance where I'm like, am I in maintenance? I'm not sure. Um, I feel like I am, but I think what I expected was similar to what other people have said, where I really thought that I'd have it all down by now and that it would not be easy necessarily, but easier that after a couple of years of time of building better habits of, of not having that jerk in my head telling me that food is the answer or, um, you know, I I think I just thought that things would flow naturally into just a a smooth sail. And I know that that's really nowhere near what we deal with on a daily basis. Um, I didn't expect food cravings to come back. I didn't expect habits to come back. I, I had a long time in my, my early stages of not having hunger. And then when that came back, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to happen. I'm supposed to be coping and eating and I'm supposed to have all these pieces put together at this point. And, um, I think I really just thought that it would all be put together by now. There's this like arrival fallacy of like, okay, I'm to that point I'm here things are where they're at. I'm in maintenance. I get to just do the little minor things like go get my annual checkup with my PCP and make sure I'm exercising and eating well, but you know, it's just not that simple. No, you you and I, again, have had conversations around this. And I think maybe at this point, I've had it with, with all of you, but there was so much anger for me too, when I realized I had not figured it out yet. And I was like two, two and a half years post-op. And I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm supposed to have this figured out, right? Like what is wrong? Like something is wrong with me or something was wrong with my procedure or I was just raging, right? We, it, we, I went so deep down the rabbit hole. We have an entire episode dedicated to the arrival fallacy because when I figured that out, I was like, mother, like, Oh, this was... my... say that again, I... Fiona. No, I failed my tool. I failed yeah community yeah it's what it feels like yeah no i i, I embarrassed myself when it came back Ooh. <laughs> which is funny to say that out loud you're we're strangers on the internet i'm a full-grown <laughs> woman i go about my day but at the same time i found it very embarrassing that i like we had said earlier i had spent so long going <laughs> behind closed doors and behind my hands saying people regain because they were lazy and they didn't do the tool right and they didn't do what they were supposed to and they didn't hit their goal weight because they were sneaking stuff they weren't supposed to and you know what i was better than them i was better than them that's why i made it that's why i made it in my first year that's why i hit excess and i was mad at myself when it after and during my pregnancy there wasn't any issue at all it was it was actually after i had delivered and all of that and then of course, also the excuse of, of my pregnancy being gone, all of a sudden I had to face the, the, the anger of myself of just the regain and feeling like I had failed my tool and embarrassed myself. That was the underlying thing. I felt like I embarrassed myself. I was the statistic that failed. 
Okay, hear me out. I went into surgery thinking it would be the only treatment I would need to overcome my chronic disease of obesity. About six months into my journey, I realized I was wrong. I was missing community, I was missing education from the experts, and I was missing a safe place to just go and connect with other patients who understood what I was going through. That's why Jason, Natalie, and I created the Barry Nation membership community. It is a safe and inclusive place for patients to gather with one another, to learn from the experts and each other. Check out the Barry Nation community today by visiting https backslash barrynation.mn.co to see what we have created. In Barry Nation, you belong, and you don't have to do this journey alone. Oh, do you feel differently now though? Like, do you see? Absolutely, absolutely. That it that was a whole, that's part, that anger though is part of the viciousness that feeds the emotional hunger, that feeds the shame, that feeds the regain, that feeds, and then all of a sudden, you know, I stopped going out with friends. I stopped going to the gym. I stopped taking care of myself. I stopped looking in the mirror and you see where it goes very quickly. You wake up. I woke up at 230 pounds again and was shocked. And I gave birth at 190 for, for reference. So, I mean, I gained a, a decent chunk after it wasn't just baby. I blame him for some though. I mean, as mothers, I think, right. Your, our bodies go through. Yeah. Life-giving which sometimes requires some excess weight, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. But if there's and, anybody out here, if you feel mad at yourself, it's not you. That was my biggest thing. Everybody talked about being mad at their surgeons for not telling them or their dietitians or, or for feeling uninformed, but nobody really other than me, I sat back and went, no, I'm mad at myself. Like I made the Right. But you're mad at yourself for the reason that we're all mad at ourselves, because I think behind, like you said, like behind the screen, behind closed doors, you really do think highly of yourself, right? Because you feel like I'm doing everything right. And I'm going to avoid these pitfalls. And, and when people are brave enough to share where they struggle, you can see the struggle, right? And you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm not doing that. Or, well, that's not me. And we do tend to kind of elevate ourselves because we are feeling good about things that we're doing. And then maintenance hits the same for all of us. Regain is a part of most people's bariatric journey. Oh, 100. Oh, yeah. Like I right? keep, I say when, not if, when you regain, like I literally, and, and I really, and I'll just put this out there. This is very Lauraism that I very strongly feel that if you don't, then I would really look at, I mean, it's just science. It's your body. It's you're malnourished. It's science. Like your body figures you out eventually. And it says, okay, hit the brakes. We're done. Let me flip your metabolism around. Like I became obsessed with education. I became obsessed with nutrition. I became obsessed with working out and certifications. And I became super obsessed with vitamins because I had huge vitamin deficiencies. Like I was hospitalized with an iron level that was a two. Like, I mean, and I thought I knew everything, you know? So even though you know better, your body's going to do what's going to do. So like when somebody is like, oh, I'm never going to regain, I, I usually get that Alice in Wonderland Cheshire cat smile. Cause I'm like, okay, call me, call me when you need me. Like, you know, because, and I don't mean that because it would have infuriated me when I was two years, three years in those pieces, but it's like, 
I feel like if you never experience regain, then I, I also wonder, are you, have you swung to the other side of the pendulum where you're not eating and you're anorexic and you like there, because that's another whole land in our land. So but we don't talk about that. Those are the success stories. Remember they're but the I, I talk about it and I'm old <laughs> and like, because that success story that doesn't talk about it, there's a cracking point for all of us. You know what I mean? And where are you? Like for me being 18 years out, I stand and look around and think to all the people I used to go to conferences. I mean, there was no society there. Like it was a whole nother world back then. And we used, we had patient conferences. They look nothing like what they look like today, but like, literally I look around and all the people, all my my friends, my posse, my group, my people that we travel and we'll meet up in the fall again at the next one. I, they're gone. They're alive, but they're not in community anymore in any way, shape or form. All the tools. And I love that you guys say my tool. That wasn't a word <laughs> back in my days. We didn't call our surgeries tools, you know, because we didn't recognize that there was more than one thing. We had surgery. That was it. Oh, mental health, that's a tool in your toolbox. Like that language came probably five years after that that started floating around the community because mental health wasn't a thing. And so I look around community now and my people, my peers, the people that I walked my path with, nowhere to be found. And when you ring doorbells and blow up phones, the regain is through the roof. Like they quit, they did do exactly what you talk about. I'm done bariatricing. I'm done with this. My surgery didn't work. I don't care. I'm over it. I'm living my life. And so I look around and I'm like, where are my people? It, it's a big thing. And the hardest part, I think on that end of what I'll call life and maintenance is that it's not over. The tools are still there. Don't give up. It's a chronic disease. Back in the beginning, we didn't call, it wasn't a disease by the AMA when I had surgery. Like mm -hmm. all this stuff, you guys are like, it's like, I feel like the old person that's saying, you're so lucky nowadays. You know what I mean? Because it didn't, like nobody talked about it. You got, the way you got approved and shoved through and didn't wait, I never had a liquid diet. Like you would say whatever you had to say in that psychiatrist, there was a psychiatrist appointment, a nutrition, people had to sign a piece of paper. Yep, she's of sound mind. Psh you, you went through, there was no, like, there was no Laura Grable's or Connie Stapleton's like that has all evolved. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the minute I put that deposit down, they were like, you want to come next week? I actually waited almost six months. Cause I wanted to do, I had a binder as well. I was also, I took a year and a half to actually pick a surgeon and then put a deposit down. So I, I know that journey, but I will say that with the regain, the greatest people who have come to my aid, who have come out of nowhere are the old timers. I'll, I'll call you. <laughs> I should tell you the veterans uh, out of nowhere, my Instagram people 10 years out saying, sweetheart, it, trust me, you'll get back down. Like just breathe. It's going to be okay. And that helped because for mine, the only people I know who are long-term out from surgery, as long as Laura both actually gave me the, I'm living my life. It didn't really work. I lost a little bit and they've closed the door. And so they kind of almost kind of encouraged like, Oh, well, you're still like a hundred ish pounds. Like it's, it's good enough. No, <laughs> For you, for my goals now. Well, and that is the power of, I think that's the power. It's one of the many powerful things about the modern day community is that we do now have people like you, Laura, who are in it and active and are the veterans, are the ones that are there to kind of guide everybody else through it. Because for so long, there was not a place where we could all gather, where we could share stories. And now there is. And for the people who are willing to really 
speak the truth or just say, this is what it is. It's going to monumentally change the game for everybody. Cause everybody, like you said, everybody struggles. Everybody's going to hit this wall. And even when I had surgery in 2019, I think there was a huge failure in the talk of mental health. For me, it was different. I have a lot of trauma disorders. I have a long therapy past. I won't bore everyone with it, but I have a lot of support and education beyond before I even went into bariatric surgery. But I found that a lot of people around me, both in the community and in my surgery group from talking when we were all there, they said the right things for the psychiatrist and knew what to say for that and didn't show any of the major, major red flags, but none of them were really prepared for things. Like I was shocked by, even I was prepared for and taught about it, but still shocked by when the weight drops, how much trauma comes up, how much Mm. we carrying within the, the weight and things like that, that I see people who are longer term out in between me and lower like me, as they, as they disappear from Instagram and run and they hide from me and I find out what's going on. And a lot of them, it's because they didn't, they still weren't ready to face what was being carried in that weight and those habits. And it sucks to face, even when you have the self-awareness to face it, we, we all seem to have the self-awareness to have faced it a little bit, but I, I think that's a huge thing in the community that some people, they face it and it's just, they weren't ready for that part. Well, and it, it kind of goes into what we were talking about before before we hit record, right? So much of this journey, you just aren't going to understand until you get there. And there is no amount of podcasts, books, advice nope. that you could take in that would convince you that this is what, in fact, it's going to be like, right? Our brains will not allow us to do something unless we've got concrete evidence. And because we've never lived a life free of right? All of these things that we experience when we're really in the throes of obesity, we just don't believe it for us. And I don't think there's anything that you can necessarily do to prepare people. Where I think the power of these conversations come into play is that when somebody does get here, we will help lower the temperature. We will help lower their panic because they're going to go, wait a minute, somebody else. I heard about this. I listened something, right. Our brains are going to go, okay, I'm not as awful or I'm not in such a, like somebody else has been here before. It's not uncharted territory. It's amazing how often I will forget. I posted something or said something, I don't know about other people and whatever platforms and somebody just out of the woodwork, even sometimes years later, will say, I got and you're almost like, wow, somebody's lit. Because for me, my Instagram's a diary that people happen to want to watch or read. So sometimes I kind of forget you're out there until they message me and they're like, hey, remember three years ago when you talked about this? Like that was really brave and I'm going through that and nobody around me talked about it but you. So that's what I kind of hope at the end of the day. Like if I show the gnarly parts that I live with, which are pretty gnarly to look at sometimes, that maybe somebody else facing the mirror will say, you know what? At least I'm not facing the ugly alone. Mm -hmm. I think we, I think by talking about our stories, we're normalizing things for other people. And, you know, all of us had surgery before the community looked the way it does now. I mean, I being the newest one in this group to have surgery, you know, there were podcasts, there were grumpy Facebook groups that were not healthy, but, you know, we didn't have the same Instagram community. We didn't have things like Barry nation and, I don't think I knew what maintenance really looked like because I didn't have a model for that. I didn't, I couldn't look down the road and see, I mean, I, I had a, 
a relationship with a therapist who had had bariatric surgery 20 years prior, which was a short-term um, therapeutic relationship. And I could ask a lot of questions of her, but you know, we didn't see our peers going through this. I didn't see my peers going through this. I'm the only person that I knew of. Well, I, I had two friends that were close to me at the time that had gone through this, but, you know, as far as community goes, like it was very limited exposure to folks that had been through something similar. And if it had been, it was lap band surgery that may or may not have solved problems, you know? And, and I think there's that fear out there that you have of, oh gosh, am I going to be Sally from down the street that didn't survive it or that didn't go and thrive? Um, You know, so we have this great opportunity to have these stories that that we didn't have beforehand yes and what what we've really come to understand just from like a okay how do we organize all of this information like what you know what does this look like because you know you're trying to catalog the lives of millions of millions of people and you're trying to figure out like okay what does everybody have in common but where where we feel that we really had an aha moment is you know we always want to know like well how many months till I get to this stage? And we could never wrap our brains around it. It's not about how far away you are from your primary treatment, right? Whatever surgery, medication, whatever, whatever you've chosen to done to do. It's what you experience. It's what you feel. It's the emotions that that you're going through. And those emotions, those feelings, these, these experiences could happen for everybody at a different time. But what joins people together is that common commonality and experience. What am I thinking? What am I believing? What am I doing? How am I feeling? That is what tends to track. And as soon as we started talking to people about what they were feeling, it opened up this whole new world. And it was like, oh, wow. I mean, you might only be six months, but you are clearly exiting this honeymoon feel good stage and you are smack in the commitment, which is a phase that nobody else had named until we did. You don't just go from the honeymoon to maintenance. No, there, right. There's this valley of dark, deepness, scariness where you have to make a choice. Do I want to live a bariatric life or do I want to go back to my old place? Being online in 2019 and being the newbies, you know, the fresh projections at the time, a big one for me that uh, a lot of people talked about but not publicly that I started to talk about at first was the, anybody else get the skinny anger when you get small and all of a sudden society's so nice to you. Um, Men are yeah. so nice to you. Women think you're smart. I switched jobs right before I hit maintenance. And so everyone in my old job had known they'd known 400 pound Fiona. They'd seen t- tiny Fiona. We'd already been through the journey together. My new coworkers never saw anything except for right before maintenance Fiona. And that was another eye opener. I was smarter. I was funnier. The stuff they said about other people when they walked the room because they didn't know a former fat person was there until I said something was amazing. And I started getting angry. I would snarl at men for holding the door open for me. Two, Two years ago, you wouldn't have pretend I was there. Don't don't talk to me in the grocery store. Number one, I'm married. And number two. I don't want to talk to you anyway. Like that anger took me a while to get over the skinny privilege. Like it was both. I was, I loved it. I loved it. I could go shopping anywhere. I could eat in public and nobody looked at me. I could walk more than 20 feet without getting out of breath. It was amazing. But also I was angry because how dare I could finally get all the clothes that I never could get. How, how dare society do this to me? I could fit in booths. Why didn't they just make it a little wider? Like I got angry in a weird way. Like that was one that I wish people had talked about more and just things like that, that I think there's a lot of value in, or all the models for maintenance that are ahead of me are all perfect. They're perfect. 
they hit gold, they've had their plastics, they live a perfect life, they barely even talk about their surgery anymore. They're usually too busy selling their workout gear. And it's that's not even a slam on them. That's great. I hope they make a great living. It's but when all you see is that perfection, when the 90% of the community is not this model perfection, even after plastics, if you can afford plastics, I think it's nice to finally start to break that and say, hi, we're the real people in maintenance. And this is what it looks like. Yeah. We talk about that often, uh, especially Jason, Nat, and I, you know, we, we can't feel bad <clears throat> about the, the peaks. We can't feel bad about the highlight, but we have committed to never only sharing the highlight. It's got to be the highlight, the A, the B, the C reel, like whatever, right? It has to be all of this because if we are telling the world that this is what it's all about when we're not actually showing them, right? Like what you said, you know, the, the 90%, when people are struggling, they think there's something wrong with them. When in fact, you are, you are exactly where you need to be in the struggle. That's more normal than this. But can I tell you from an 18 year perspective, because a lot of the people that is what you guys think about community and some of this, like I've watched from before surgery, I was qualified for surgery because my, my old job, like I was in community, that was my life. And I have watched, I watched April from the beginning when she, it was East to West. I've watched Stephanie. I've watched Brie. I've, I've sat back and watched all these journeys and I've watched the highs and lows and I've watched people have huge revisions and being hospitals and crying. And I've watched divorces and breakups and whatever. And when I'm sitting here, like it breaks my heart because it's never going to be me. It's never going to happen to me. My life is perfect, you know, and I'm watching. And then when I say I sit back like the cat and Alice, it's because I'm like, let life happen, like let life happen and let transition happen. And I think it's interesting because when I first joined Berry Nation and I'm in there and I'm digging around and trying to figure everything out, like I struggled with, am I commitment or 18 years out? Am I commitment or am I life and maintenance? And I love the fact that you put labels to pieces because people never understood honeymoon. They never, they thought that's just, this is the life, you know, but the commitment's forever. Like life and maintenance, I have to be consistent and committed to taking my vitamins and getting on that dang treadmill. And, you know, every time I see the minute you guys asked me to sit on this panel, I was like, who are these other people? And I followed you both on Instagram. And when I see you on your Peloton bike and you're like, yeah, I'm like, go Casey, because that is commitment. I mean, when I see April, like, oh my God, I'm on the treadmill. When you were doing step bets, I was watching, I was, you know, I saw Whitney's bike get delivered. You know, I mean, I'm like, I feel like I'm a stalker a little bit, but like I've watched because this path, life and maintenance, I would say I'm life and maintenance because it's 18 years, but I have to be so committed. I've had up to 70 pounds of regain before. And I took off 68 two years ago and I had to recommit to all the things I knew. I had to literally, I have gained and lost so many times. The commitment never ends. And the beautiful thing about Berry Nation, because I can go on a roll here, like when we would regain, and I say we, before this, these communities that have evolved in the last couple of years, where do we go? Right? I'm at Weight Watchers in the back with the dirty secret because mm, I had weight loss surgery and I'm not going to talk about it because I had the easy way out. And it's easy for her to lose. She has half the stomach. Like, 
I've lived in back rooms of Weight Watchers because I never gave up. No matter how much regain it was, by gosh, I'm going to get it off. And I would go take a class, get a certification, become a health coach, you know, do all the, never was a health, co- but I got certified, spent a year, spent six grand getting it. You know what I mean? Because I want to understand nutrition, real nutrition for all bodies, not just my body, but where do you go? And one of the biggest things I spent the last year in the bariatric world I was working in studying advocacy because all these things we're talking about, like advocacy is a thing because we need to remember, like, where do we find help? Do we go back to our surgeons who want to operate? They want to do surgery. That's what they do. You know what I mean? That's how they make their money. And so do I go to my primary care doctor who will order labs, but not order half the iron panels I need? He has no clue what I'm talking about. Or what about when I go to the dentist? Because after bariatric surgery, I never had plastics because I'm terrified of needles, (laughs) but I never had plastics, never did any of it, but I had braces. I said, that's it. I'm going to have the, I am so happy about life. I'm going to have the best smile in the world. And I was you know, wearing braces and metal track braces at that, you know, like in my thirties, well, what happens all of a sudden when I'm in my forties and my teeth start cracking? What are you talking about? I come to the dentist every year. I do all these things. Why am I having, why do I have gum issues? Why do I have, like, I've had the best smile because the pH balance in your mouth changes because your stomach acids change like dental issues in the bariatric community. Nobody told you that. Nobody told you that. Nobody told you that. And I don't want to put fear factor out there, but you put a post in a bariatric community and an old school one and say, and the amount of root canals and crowns and dentures and bridges and teeth just went like, that's a thing. And who knew? Or like I was saying to April, menopause, I'm 51. How do you hormone therapy treat something that doesn't process pills and then it's called compounding and it's called, and then you're like, do I want to do this? Is this like, so it never ends. It's never, ever going to end or the knee replacements or the hip replacements, because we put so much weight and abuse on our bodies that that weight comes off. And what do we do? We run marathons. We do all the things, right? We're in their bodybuilding. We're doing this. We're doing, and it's so amazing, but you carried hundreds of pounds for years. I, I reversed uh, bone damage in my back and primarily most of it was due to a car accident that shifted me off balance. But then because of my obesity, it ground my muscles into my back to the point that I disfigured my back and my muscles and, but losing the weight, I was able to shift them back, but it's permanent. If you look on the x-ray, you can actually see the grind marks and it's purely because of obesity because I spent so much to learn. There's just so much to learn. It's never ending, but where are your people? And that's why community at 18 years is still important, but the community I need is different than the community two years or four. What about the divorces? What about the alcohol? What about the abuse? What about, I mean, the list just is never, ever, ever, ever ending. Plus all the things yet to come. I know I got more coming. I know I do. So I'm. you got to be committed still. So I still live and committed every day when I try to think of 10 reasons I don't want to get on the treadmill, right? Or why I'm not going to go to crumble and eat a cookie today or why I'm not all those things at 18 years. What I always say is it comes down to choices. We all make choices. Nobody's coming to save me. Nobody is going to say, have you put weight on? Have you put 20 pounds on? Have you, everybody just sets back. Nobody talks about it. Nobody, you, we all have to save ourselves get educated, advocate for your healthcare, 
be proactive, learn what you need to know to go to your primary and say, I need this. And more importantly, being careful of your resources, because where do you go? You go back to old habits, disordered eating and old models. I see it time and time again in my community. People go back to diets and phases and pills and people that if it worked, we wouldn't have had surgery in the first place, guys. Like, and it breaks my heart though, because I know the desperation. Raise your hand if you had probably spent a retirement's worth of money on dieting before you ever had surgery. Of course. I spent yeah. year 15 to 32. And I'll tell you, I, I get so sad when I watch and we all can think of at least three people off the top of our head that as soon as they hit the commitment stage or maintenance stage, they went right back to the dieting community. Oh, I found myself doing this the other day. I got sucked into a, um, a something about metabolic reset. I went down this rabbit hole and then, and no, I mean, I'm not, whatever, chroma wellness, where I was like, oh my God, oh, look how easy, it's like an eating. And I literally had it in my cart before, thank God, something in the back of my brain was like, um, this is just dieting all over again. This thing, this new shiny thing is the same shiny thing of all of the other shiny things you've ever tried before. And thank God my brain kicked in. And I was like, oh my God, I literally, I dropped my phone. And I was like, I can't believe I am still in this pattern, but it's for the exact same reason. You're looking for answers and it's keto and it's genetic profiling. And it's like, the thing I always, at 18 years, it's money. Money drives it all, right? The weight loss industry, it's money. And it goes, and I'm going to be the bearer. It's true in bariatrics. I'm tired of highlight reels. I'm tired of surgeons showing 90,000 before and afters. Like I want to call surgeons and say, I'd like a before and after from your person that had surgery 15 years ago. Show me some of your old school people. Stop showing me your honeymoon, your Rolodex. I'm sick of it. They stopped using me as a babe example when I regained. Right. Like show me. And if I had surgery today and I interviewed surgeons like I do now, I would say, tell me about your long-term maintenance programs. They don't exist. Mm-hmm. They're not built for it. They don't offer, they don't offer support groups for regain. They talk, I mean, I can go to a support group at hospitals all over the place, but I don't eat period foods right now. I don't need to learn that sugar-free jello pudding's a thing. Like show me how you're going to help me with regain because it's coming. I have a support group with mine and I shouldn't slam them too hard because I will slam them for that a little bit. But overall they were a, a for self-payoff is much more supportive and informative than a lot of the others I've seen. But again, like you said, they do have a support group, but it's for post-op everybody. So then I'm drowned out with the voices of, oh my God, I'm in my six week stall. And no offense to my newbies. I love you. I love you. But if I see one more post about a goddamn six week stall. So well, and- it doesn't help me anymore because my issues are now way deeper than that. I know the habits. I know the food. I know how to weigh. I know what my pouch can and can't handle. Now we need to talk about the dirty stuff and how I'm going to implement it. Well, it's literally why we, why we created what we did and why, and why we're working so hard to always improve it because we need a place for all patients to go and find their home base for where they're at now. None of us want to waste our time in a support group that's not tailored and targeted for what we need. And there are days where we want to go support the newbies. We want to go and cheer them on and help them. But then there's other days where I don't know why the hell I keep eating Cheetos and it's driving me crazy, right? Like I need regain help. I need addiction transfer help. I need help with my relationship. I need help with my intimate, like what, right? Like 
we, we are smart people, but we are smart people who realize we don't have it all figured out. Yeah. I have like, to be, able- or the resources of like with my postpartum, I need medicated, I need medication management for my mental health at the time. And it, it was absolutely a tool I needed and I do not regret using it. And I don't discourage anyone from taking their mental health medication or seeking them if they think they need them. But no one around me could give me an answer on how am I supposed to balance this ungodly amount of regain with my mental health. And it wasn't until, again, I found a, a better informed doctor for my VSG by coincidence who said, oh, we should never have given you that. That always shuts down your metabolism. You guys don't absorb that right. Don't take that. Take this. And it also alleviated my symptoms. And boom, magically, a lot of my other metabolic symptoms went away. So that's, again, that long-term journey that just never seems to end. And again, there was, but nobody else seemed to be talking about since mental health is already hard. Again, I, I looked out in the community and said, who else is regaining because of their mental health specifically? Let's talk about this. And I couldn't find anything. Or the couple people, I love them to death and I shouldn't throw them under the bus, but they were like, well, if the weight gain's so bad, just stop the medication. And eh, let's not talk about telling someone on postpartum anxiety and depression to stop taking their medication. But also the other side of it was people telling me, well, just don't worry about it. Just let the weight gain come. Well, that's not helping me either, guys. Yeah. Well, it comes down to advocacy, right? Yeah. Learning how we have to advocate for ourselves, which is, I think, again, one of those things is we can say, I wish I would have known this, you know, get good at learning how to advocate for yourself. It's another thing that it's almost like, oh crap, once you're there, you're like, oh, this is what advocacy is. I didn't realize that this is right. What it, what it looked like. Casey, what about you? What, what do you wish you would have known about maintenance before? Well, I think a big part of it for me is the realization that my body will always be changing and that there, you know, I remember when the surgeon that I went to said, well, or asked me, what do you, what's your goal weight? And I looked at him and was like, I don't know. I've never been there. You know, I mean, I've, I've known times when my body felt comfortable in certain weights and shapes. Um, but I went into this with the decision to change my life. And I had hopes for like, Hey, I, I want to fit into quote unquote, normal size clothing. I want to be able to do certain things, but I didn't know what that end result looked like. And I think that looking back, looking at things like before and afters, there's no such thing as after for us. And, and I like, I like to track progress by photos because for me, the photos don't lie. They really, they wake up the part of your brain that can actually recognize change. That's not like, you know, you you tell yourself sometimes, oh, I don't see any change. And then you see pictures and think, oh my goodness, I do see some change. Um, You know, I've lost more weight than I, I've lost over half my body weight. And that is a big change, but I don't see it often until I look in pictures. Um, And I think just the healing part for me has been in realizing and recognizing that our bodies will always be changing. You will go through periods of time when your restriction is strong, when your restriction is weak, when you can eat certain things, when you can't eat certain things, when you, your mental health kicks in, your mental health concerns kick in. And, you know, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I want a cookie or a bag of potato chips. And you just don't know why, when you haven't been doing it for how long, you know, or you have been fighting that. And I think just like being able to recognize and take that space and that time to sit and and think about things before we do them has been one of the things I didn't realize I would need so much, but that slowing down and thinking about things before I make decisions, because I thought it was going to be 
easy by now. I thought at my two-year mark that I'd know and that I'd feel things differently. And and I'm absolutely a hundred percent different than I was two years ago. I cope differently. I think about things. I don't put my hand to my face with something in it, you know, like I used to, but I, I think that just, um, I wish I had realized that it's never going to be as simple as I had surgery and that changed everything. And it's easy now, you know, it's, it's like Laura's talking about, you know, you make that decision every day to align with where you want to be with your life. And it's no different than someone that hasn't had surgery. We just have a tool that helps us to be a little more successful, potentially, maybe not. There's people that, you know, are not happy with what, where they are, but for me, my metabolism has changed. My restriction exists. I think about things differently and I've had the space without having to carry around another 150 pounds. I've had the space to say, okay, let's start talking about why these things ever started in the first place. I can think about things like emotional eating and stress management and who am I at the core of my being. And those are things you don't think about when you're carrying around a second person a second, I've lost more than I currently weigh. I mean, it's mind blowing how freeing that becomes and how it gives you that space to say, all right, I kicked, I kicked that fat suit. Um, and using fat and not a derogatory term in, in like a, I, I shed that body. I'm not dragging her around anymore. Now what? Now I've got the space to say, okay, let's talk trauma. Let's talk coping. Let's figure out the things that we couldn't even tap into because we were worried about where our next meal was coming from. You know, it's you and I case. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say you and I have talked about this often and I talk about it all the time after surgery. I was amazed at how much mental capacity I had all of a sudden because it wasn't being taken up by food. And it was that aha moment for me when I also too said, oh, this is what people, this is how people at the time, I didn't understand it was a disease, right? But this is how the people who don't suffer from the disease of obesity live their life. Mm -hmm. And it was a moment of anger for me, but it was also a moment of, holy shit, look at what I have been able to accomplish so far in my life when I didn't have this capacity, now I have this capacity and it was to do that exact work that, that you were talking about, Casey. I think, I mean, one of the things I didn't expect to learn and, and recognize is I had to relearn how to have friendships. I, mm-hmm. my friendships were surrounded by like, Hey, let's go to the hot new restaurant and let's share some food, but also let's get all the things. And I can't do that anymore, <laughs> you know? And also I don't want to do it anymore. You know, I want my friendships and my connections with people to be based around things that I enjoy and that I want to put my energy into, you know, um, it never occurred to me though, that that was the center of my social time was what, what restaurant are we going to, what bar are we going to go to? And, and your habits change. You don't, that's not where you want to lean anymore. I mean, for some of us. Yeah. No. Something I would love to offer up is when I was talking about the difference between committed and life maintenance or maintenance, whatever. Um, when I think about life and maintenance, 
like two things come to mind for me, peace and acceptance. And I just want to offer that up because you always have to stay committed. You have to, because you have obesity, it's a chronic disease and it's going to rear its head in different times and places and ugly moments. But when I think about if somebody's, when I sat there and had to pick and I did, I was like, I'm joining both of them because I need commitment right now to get off some regain. But I am in a place of acceptance. After 18 years, I put scale shots on Instagram. I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't. I literally, I don't care. And I track it and I measure it because I want to take the stigma away from numbers because it means nothing. It's my gravitational pull on this earth. It's not my value. It's not my identity. It's not a failure or a success. So for me, I say, yes, I live a life in maintenance because I'm committed to being educated and advocating for my health, fighting the hard fight, but I have found peace in my obesity and acceptance of the fact that it's always going to be work. It's always going to be a work. And I accept my body today. I'll accept it at 189. But the peace that I know is I want a big, full, beautiful life. So I'm willing to move my body 30 minutes a day. I'm willing to even double dip some days. I might walk in the morning, but I might do a ride in the night because I love some Robin Arzon. Like, you know, I I love the highs of the world, but I'm not willing to work out two hours a day to be 189. I'm not willing to never enjoy the foods I enjoy to be 189 because my life at 189 wasn't sweeter than my life is at 210. Because at 210, I'm confident, I'm accepting, I have peace, I know I have a chronic disease that I will treat forever. So to me, a life in maintenance is finding acceptance of my body today. Even if I was 365, I accept that number. Now I'm going to go do some work, you know? So for me, that life in maintenance, that label comes when I'm willing to accept it and not do anything necessary to go fit the BMI or to go fit something else. Because at six foot one on my big frame, 189, like I would be anorexic and I would be working out two hours a day, especially being 51 in menopause where the whole, our bodies do the shift land. Like I'm not willing to live that unhappy. I'm not willing to live the rest of my life on a diet. I am willing to work hard to be healthy. So I just want to offer up those two words if you're like, what is the difference between commitment and life and maintenance? Because I've been doing a lot of thinking about it for the last two weeks. And for me, yes, I'm living a life in maintenance and it looks different and it's different numbers. The commitment's the same. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to take my vitamins. I'm going to get my sleep. I'm going to eat clean. And that clean's a bad word for nutrition as far as I'm concerned, but I'm going to eat well and eat healthy, but I'm going to eat birthday cake. And I'm probably going to eat a crumble cookie here and there. I'm not going to eat a whole box of them, but I'm going to have some because I want to live a rich, full, beautiful life. I think I'm in between Laura and Casey, which is funny because I'm also in between on the timeline as well. Whereas like, I wish I had known one thing that Casey talked about that actually kind of shocked me. It popped into my head. I wish I had known I was going to have to know and accept a not fat Fiona. So I don't know about other people, but I have never not been fat since about puberty, which also links to some trauma. If most people can guess what happens around that age. So for me, it, it had a lot to do and still does. Who am I? Not the fat, funny friend. 
who am I not fat Fiona? And I don't say fat Fiona is a bad thing. I love fat Fiona. Fat Fiona is the foundation of who I am today. Fat Fiona survived a lot of stuff to get here today. So I thank her. She's gone. Who am I? And that has been a very hard part too. My relationships changed. My friendships changed. My marriage changed. My coworkers changed. Society's treatment of me changed. And everything in my day changed. But then I sat back and went, I don't know how to handle this because I don't know who I am. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what activities I liked. I didn't know what clothes I liked. It sounds so silly, but 90% of the mall had been off limits for 20 years. And the first time my friend looked at me and said, Fiona, it's time for new clothes because I hadn't dropped the last of my plus size clothes yet, that weird, awkward stage. And I realized at the time I was a size 14, I cried. And I cried not only because I was happy to be 14, but I realized for the first time in my life, I could shop anywhere in the mall. And again, people who have never been obese hear this, like my best friends who have never had a weight issue, but they're very supportive. But they hear this and they see the tears and they pat me, but they kind of go, okay. And that's where the community really comes in. When you talk about who you were fat, people who have been fat know who, what I'm saying. People know the voice that tells you to eat when you're sad. My husband doesn't understand that. And I'm very glad. But that's, I think that's the one thing I wish I had known is, you are going to have to rediscover yourself. If you are 18 years old and having the surgery or 75 years old and having the surgery, you are going to have to make a new relationship with yourself that has well beyond food. I, I came to that realization a few months ago, right? Because I was really trying to figure out like, what, what is this? And I feel like who I am at my core has not changed. And I'm thankful that I... I've known who I was at my core for a very long time. I know a lot of people don't, but even me knowing who I've always been at my core, everything attached to that core has changed mm -hmm. everything. And, and I was so scared to have surgery because I thought it was going to change who I was. I was the opposite, but I was terrified. That, that's why I didn't do it because I liked who I was. And I was like, Oh, it's going to change me. Uh -huh. Right. So I'm not going to go through with this. I have a robust friendship circle. I have had great success professionally. I'm funny, not because of my size. Like I really like who I am and surgery is going to change that. And I just don't want to risk it. Not me. I was willing to throw everyone away. I went in knowing that I could throw my marriage away. I might lose my friendships. I lost a lot of friends because our relationship was based around my fatness and there's either theirs or lack of theirs or however that dynamic worked. And in a weird way, secretly, I didn't say that to my husband, poor thing. I love him. But like, in a way I went in with like, I will sacrifice everything for this. Mm -hmm. I want this. I want to stop hurting. I want to be treated like a normal person. I want to see what it's like on the other side. I've been dating since or dieting, dating, dieting since I was 15. I want to know. I had yeah. gone from 400 pounds to 200 on my own and regained over and down and over and down. And so surgery for me was the last drop. I was done. And I cried the day I had surgery and I apologized to myself and everyone looks at me like I'm crazy, but I cried because I didn't want to remove half my stomach or more. I, I didn't, I felt that I didn't want to have to take such a dramatic step to myself to fix myself. And I felt bad that I had done something to myself that was going to cause me to have to remove part of myself to fix it. But I had tried for years. And so you know, one thing you, you've just got to go in this knowing. And when you hit maintenance is that you did this for a reason. I don't care if it's vain. I don't did. I don't care if you did it because there's a pant, pair of pants in your closet 
that you've been staring at for two years that you want to fit into. If that's your reason, go for it. But find your reason and remember it because when you forget is when a lot of things come back. And so my whys also change. I don't know about anybody else, but I bet after 18 years, your why for having surgery and choosing life, a healthy life is different. I have a son now, you know, at, I don't think most people know at almost 400 pounds. I was told by my surgeon, if I was even fertile enough or my doctor at the time, if I was even fertile enough to get pregnant, I would have to deliver at one hospital in the entire state that could handle my weight. If I needed a C-section, there was only one OR in Oregon that could handle me. It was OHSU. All the other delivery rooms and OR rooms were not big enough for such morbidly obese mothers. And sir, you know, just things like that, that people, all of my wives have changed. And I think the biggest thing I hope everyone, if you listen to all of this in my rambling goes on, is that whatever stage you're in, when you hear this, cling to your why and let it change and but keep adding to it. And then when the days get hard, like Laura, I list my 10 whys. I tell myself I beat heart disease. I beat getting obesity. I'm going to see my children, you know, I'm going to see my child grow up. I'm going to hit my 20th wedding anniversary. My husband was terrified when the, when my, at some of my testing came back, even though I was always normal, I was getting warned that the time was going to come. I was getting close to 30. My, it was going to catch up to me. And, you know, my husband had pulled me to the side and said, I don't want to bury you at 50. And with the way I gained weight, I was going to be 500 pounds by 40. And I'm five foot five. So with the way I had yo-yoed every time I had regained, I had watched the pattern and I realized where I was going. So no matter what happens, if you regain, if you're successful, if you're just starting out, just remember why. Because that was what you will cling to. When I got up this morning to do my 30 minutes that I should have recorded, apparently, because I am the only one who doesn't record her workouts. When I did my 30 minutes this morning, I didn't want to get up. I wanted to lay in bed. My husband and my kid were sleeping. My dog was sleeping. Everybody's sleeping but me. I got up and did my 30 minutes of yoga that I barely wanted to do because I want to walk my son down. I want to see my son walk down the aisle because I want to shop in the normal section of the mall. Yeah. Sounds well, big, but it takes. I think that's a really powerful takeaway, which we do talk about often. Our whys will change and that's yeah. okay. Our whys are not static. And because life doesn't stop, right? It's not like life stops the day we have surgery and it's going to be that way forever. You have to grow with your whys. And if your whys grow with you, then you will continue to find reasons to commit to this life. Laura, what about you? What is there one thing that you really want people to embrace from the, from this conversation? Or is there one thing that you would just implore that they think about or do moving into maintenance? I think the biggest thing is I use a phrase that I think my body's my life partner. We always talk about our husbands being our life partner or the significant other in your life. But I could relate to Fiona talking about what have I done to my body, like apologizing and crying and whatever. But after going through crazy vitamin deficiencies and the, the ups and the downs and the regain and the pieces, one, I think about my body as my life partner. Like it, it wakes up every day, whether it wants to or not. Like I've mistreated it. I've It hasn't divorced me yet. You know what I mean? There's going to come a day where it's going to say I'm done but it has never divorced me and it shows up for me. So I need to respect it. And it's my life partner. The other piece I would tell people is if you're just entering or if you're 10 years down the road or wherever, if I ever talk to somebody that is brand new, I always say that you need somebody to walk with that's having surgery at the same time as you are. You need somebody that is walking in front of you that's leading a pack 
like maybe a year out, two years out, but then look way down the road. Like you need, like, I think about a sorority and when I was in college, I think about big sisters, like you need somebody. And I'm not talking about the one year out. You need that person, the matriarchs like me, you need to have that one. So when you have a curveball that's hard, it's not the one you've been walking with. Cause you're like, Oh girl, you're all right. Just ignore it. Or that's only 10 pounds. It's not a big deal, but line up your deck and build your team, but make sure you can build your team and have your therapists and your, all your doctors and, you know, the medical team's super important, but you need the people that are in the arena. I'm going to go Brene Brown for a minute. You need the people that's dirty and filthy. You don't need the crowds in the late, you know, you don't need the skeptics up there, but you need people in the arena and you need the people that are like at the Olympics. Like you need all those layers because you're going to need them at some point in time when you have your first iron infusion or when the dentist gives you bad, like you need to find the people, your resources. So your life partners, your body, find your resources. And the biggest thing I'll say is you need to stay in community. You do. You, I mean, you do. Even if, even if you meet Prince Charming and you get married and you have all the babies and the picket fences, like there needs to be a place like Berry Nations didn't exist in my day. And now my people I was in community with don't exist anymore. You need to find a place because forever the curveballs are going to mean different things, no matter what, the divorce, the menopause, the all the things that can come at you. You might thought, oh, I was bariatric. I got to figure it out. I'm, I'm all the things, but that emotional eating piece, you know what, in menopause, I want to eat struggling with parents that are aging and fears. And there's so many life chapters that are coming at us. There's nothing like your bariatric community because somebody's been there, done it, walked it, felt it, talked it. So you got to find a little piece of community. You never get too old. Like you don't, I, I would truly believe that. So for me, like, it's just dialing in, finding your community. And I guess the, I have so many pieces get educated and never stop, never stop learning. Like, like April said, there's different pockets that you want to find the things you need in the moment, but there's always an auditorium. There's always an auditorium because obesity is changing. Like I'm going to be in a room listening to medical drugs with people that had surgery a year ago and I'm 18 years out. There's still an auditorium for all of us because some things will never change. It's always going to be evolving. So when I tell you to advocate and fight with your doctors and be proactive with your healthcare and don't take no, I want a bone scan. You can't have one. Well, then I need a referral. Like, you know, know what you need to be watching and tracking for long-term health when it comes to bariatrics. Well, you are the OG. I mean, you are the veteran. You, but again, like you, you know, you are that person for us in this community. And I, I know, you know, but I'll say it again, you are such a critical component, a piece that has been missing, I think, from the new community. And I just got to say, I'm so flipping thankful that you are here doing what you do. Because and I, I'm so passionate about it to a, a fault, probably, because I, I want to send an SOS out to the other people out there in the community that used to be the lead, like, come back, come back come back. The new community needs us. The last three years I spent in my roles, I kept talking about the new community. I kept talking about the Instagram kids and I kept sending them and I kept saying, you know, the podcast and this and that and that. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's old school bariatric land. And 
I lo- I'm going to plug Berry Nation one more time because I just love the fact because we everybody waits around for permission. We don't need permission. Like when I first got into my last job and I learned what ASMBS guidelines were, I was pissed. You want to talk about pissed? How many iron infusions did I have? Why didn't nobody teach me how to read a damn vitamin label? And why didn't I know these things? Like I should have, I should know. And I became obsessed and I built the tools to teach. And I just spent time teaching because I was angry. Like every bariatric patient should know this. Like we deserve this, you know? So we don't need permission. We don't need permission to have our own community. We don't need letters behind our names. We don't need certification. Like I'm going to go on a rant because this is the advocate in me. Guess what? We're experts because we lived in the bodies. We are the freaking experts. You're, you might have medical degrees and masters. And I respect all of that because I needed you for my tool. But I lived this body and I continue to live in this body. So you need to talk to me and ask me. I deserve a seat at the table more than anyone else here. Because if you didn't have me, you wouldn't be doing surgery. Like we wouldn't have this evolution of science. So anybody listening to this, you're an expert in your body. You're an expert at being obese. You've lived with it your whole life. You know what it feels like. I don't want another itty bitty registered dietitian telling me what a food craving feels like. You know, I respect all the medical credentials, but we are the experts. We've lived in it and you don't need permission. I, I had the same conversation many moons ago on a podcast with my dietitian with my surgery office. And I, he said something kind of ignorant about food and about impulse to eat. And I looked at him and said, have you ever been more than 10 pounds overweight? And he stopped and he goes, no, but I have a doctorate. And I said, no, 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 I know. But have you ever been more than 10 pounds overweight? And he said, no. And I said, I've lost 210 pounds. You should listen to me. And he stopped and he didn't like it for a second. And then he laughed. And, you know, I will say he started to change his tune. And he told me later that he kind of remembers that every once in a while, that when he's talking to a patient, he might know on paper more than I ever will about macros and diets and everything else. But I will always always and forever know more about being obese and dieting and the struggles that he will never know because he never had to do it, which I'm glad he didn't, but. Oh, well, I mean, you guys know, it's the thing I say, I think most out of all of the things I say, and you guys know, I talk all the freaking time. I am the expert in my patient experience. And if you do not treat me as an expert, you will not do business with me. You can't put stuff in my head. Like you can't fill my ear. Nope. Because I am the expert in my patient experience. And for too long, the medical community has excluded the only expert voice that they actually ever needed, which was me and us. And and I am so proud of our community for rallying around this realization and for finally saying enough is enough. If you won't listen to me, then I'm not listening to you. And I will build what I need. I will surround myself with the people that I need. And I don't need you. And I'm not scared about that anymore. And some of them are terrified, but you know what? I don't give a shit. You should be terrified because you are not supporting your patients or this community in the way that we have needed. So if you won't do it, I will. Because guess what? Now I got the capacity. Now I can do it before I couldn't, but I can now. And I got an army of people behind me and I got a nation of people behind me now that will do it. But this is how change happens. This is this is how we make meaningful things for us. And we're not going to be mean about it. We're not going to be, mm, but we're going to do it. You might not. And we're going to do it medical, for us. We need the medical professionals to you keep do. 
They do. You know what I mean? But you can't do what we do and you don't show up like we do. So we need them. But at the same time, what we need in this community, we need education. I don't need to be sold. Yeah. But they also... We need more representation. I went to, I was invited due to my social work degree, I think, not because I was a patient, to a Zoom mandatorium in Oregon for a surgeon's board for bariatrics and obesity. And I was the only patient representation there. They don't want. Higher board. Not one of them. And I even said, has anyone been obese, by the way? Not to be a jerk, but just just share. And everybody's like, eh, 30 pounds. No. And I realized like, and it's not that the conversation wasn't bad. It wasn't negative. They were great but they're missing a huge chunk of the voice. And all of them were shocked when I looked at all of them and said, your clinic is failing by not having follow-up dietitians. Stop handing us a piece of paper and walking out the door. Yeah, it's all on there. And you're right. It's all on that piece of paper that they need to know. And all the questions are annoying and they're going to keep being repeated by every patient for the end of time. But that's your job. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's well, what they're for. Like that's yeah. what it's going to be for. That's what it's going to be for. Mm-hmm. And if it's the last, like it, they don't want patients inside. I've, I've been inside. I've sat on boards. Like I've, I've demanded a seat at the table and even in it, they just smile and laugh and that's, they don't, they don't want us there and it's okay. It's okay. They talk over your head anyways, when you're there, like it's not a nice place to be. It's not, but they need us because that's what keeps the hospitals going and the money going and the whole system. And it's okay. It's okay because you'll find there are magical surgeons, there are magical dietitians, there are magical Laura Grabos and therapists, and they are out there. You find your people and Berry Nation will find its people. I used to beat the doors. I'm done beating. I don't, I don't need them. I don't. Girl, you, Laura, you and I talked about this, right? And, and this is an epiphany for me, uh, maybe a year ago. Same thing. I was like, why are we not getting a seat at the table? We as impatience. And finally, I just went, wait a minute. I can oh. build a table. Yeah. I can build chairs. I can, I can keep making more chairs. And finally, right when that clicked in my brain, I was like, oh, okay, well, let's, let's go build, let's, let's go build our table. Let's go and build. And April, the truth of that conversation is guess what? There, you're going to build a bigger table because there's more of us. There's way more of us. What are the statistics? How many Americans are overweight? Like bariatrics yeah. isn't just weight loss surgery. Like it's a whole, like it's the study of obesity period. And there are way more people that can be in the world of Berry Nation that can sit on a little medical board cool. and we'll build a bigger table. And the nuances of why we are all obese is very different. Why my best friend who also had VSG surgery a year after me was obese is completely different than the reason I'm obese, which is probably completely different than the reason Laura got obese and the reason April was. And it that's the other important component is the longer I'm in the community, the more I'm realizing that sometimes the advice has to be modified because the underlying reason for your obesity needs to also, and it can be comorbid. It's not always just straight. But for some people, it is really an overconsumption issue, more than necessarily an emotional eating issue, more than a hormonal issue. And you need all of those voices together or you're missing it. Well, and you need a space for you to be able to to explore your 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 own personal reasons Mm -hmm. and then select what you need because you are the expert in your own experience. And for too long, we we were seen as incapable of making that decision for ourselves and 
we disagree. When we empower ourselves with the education, with the knowledge, with the community, when we make it readily available so that you can access it when and where you need it, we will change the name of this game. And, and what that's we're where the... Oh, sorry. Uh, what we're up against is a lot more complex than just that too. As women, we are told not to advocate for ourselves. As fat people in society, we're told not to advocate for ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. So it's also, it, there's so much more wraparound to it. And that's a lot of also within the Q, you know, it comes out more and more, as you said, like it's the more and more of us come to the table, the more and more you realize just how much of this is layered and intersecting and yeah. how much of it as a community, really, as you sit back and start to really look at the numbers in the group and look at what's really going on, the more I'm realizing that the obesity researchers are missing a key component and a large, large part of it can't be studied on data. They need to turn around and look in the room. Bingo, bingo. Casey, my friend, what about you? What's the one thing? You know, I, I lived a lot of my life following the shoulds, the what you should do, the way you should live your life. And I think that where I am at this point in my journey is figuring out what I want and who I am and what I value. And I think that when you get to the point where you've kind of, you've, you've had the surgery, you've figured out how to eat more or less, you know, that you need your water and your vitamins. You really need to get in touch with who you are deep inside to be able to make sure that you're making decisions moving forward in your life from that core place inside of you and just valuing that. You know, I, I didn't listen to that girl inside for a really long time. And I don't think I knew who she was until recently because I was tricked by all the things outside. And I think it's been just a real gift for me to be able to, to turn inside and look inside and say, who, who am I? What do I value? And I now have the ability and, and the capacity to operate from that perspective. And so I think you'll really figure out how you want to live your life and how to get through those, those times where you feel like it's a crisis, whether it's regain or losing friendships or changing careers or, you know, too many stores at the mall, you know, when Fiona was talking about shopping, I mean, our burden now is so different and, and it's little, but it's when you get to those points and you see how much your life will change and how, where you are now, you, you need to be able to trust yourself and listen to yourself and understand who that person is, because we all have different stories and we have different roots and we, and whether our why changes or not. But only, you know, only I know what's best for me. Only I can make that decision. And if I operate from that perspective of what is going to be the best for me, given the values that I have, I can't fail. I can't fail. No, so. no. We, we often talk about this, right? This journey is about trust. We have to learn when we can trust ourselves and we have to learn when we can't trust ourselves. And if we can decipher that code for ourselves... Sky's the limit. Ladies, I cannot thank you enough for your time, your honesty, your willingness to get real and raw and vulnerable and just share what is truth for you. It is the most powerful tool I think that we have in our community to help others. And I'm just so thankful for your time and your expertise. This has been amazing, an amazing conversation. Fiona, where can people follow you if, if they, if they want to 
Oh, I said it in the beginning, but I, I, I'm mostly on Instagram at never say never Fiona, um, all one running word or on, on Facebook, usually in the groups as Fiona Prendergast. Awesome. Laura. I'm on Instagram. It's Laura Lee Preston. I'm a rusty old person on Instagram. So bear with me. Um, I love Facebook because it's my safe, like I've spent my time there. Like that's, that's my jam. I love Facebook lives. You can find me on Facebook at Laura Preston, or if you do the at, here's one that's for you. It's at bariatric regain. It'll pull me up. Oh, Macy, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Casey's journey to health or in the Berry nation community. I'm there a lot. (laughs) I'm there a lot. (laughs) I'm in there too. Yeah. I just, I I'm trying to balance the both. So usually Instagram and Berry nation are the best ways. Oh yeah. We, we are all in there a lot because that, that is one of our safe places. And I got to say, I, I need the community. We, we did what we did because I needed it. Jason needed it. Natalie needed it. Turns out other people need it too. So it's our happy place. Ladies, thank you so very much again. I just, I'm very thankful for each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, totally. All right, friends. Well, if Jason was here, he would say something witty and smart and funny, and I'm not Jason, so I'll do my best, though. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it wherever you want to share it so people know that this support is here. Tag us in your NSVs and your celebrations. Tag us when things get hard and difficult so we can help you out of those difficult moments or celebrate it with you. We are on Instagram at Barry.Nation. The dot is very important as we have come to learn. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook and all those other places. But uh, thank you for giving us your time and attention. Please connect with with any of us if you are struggling. And uh, just remember at the end of the day, you've got this and we've got you. Thanks, friends. Bye. Bye.